0: Hey NBA members, this is Zach Welch and uh, I don't have Kyle with me today so I'm going to be recording this solo but Kyle's here in spirit. So this is the Good Life Hunter, the official podcast of the NBA and I have two special guests here today, Josh and Rachel. You guys want to go ahead and say hi? Hey guys, Josh here.
1: Rachel over here too.
0: Well, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. We've been trying to get Josh and Rachel on here for some time, so I'm looking forward to this conversation today. We're just going to talk about all kinds of stuff and just see where this conversation goes. We're also using a different audio app. I don't have the actual podcast equipment with me today, so I hope this audio sounds all right and bear with us if it doesn't. But uh, I think everyone will really enjoy this conversation. so. So, uh take a seat and tune in and enjoy the next however long this conversation takes I suppose so Josh you want to go ahead and talk about how you got into archery hunting and we'll go
2: from there sure Uh, I guess I I grew up on a farm which probably had a lot to do with it you know my dad was a hunter and uh, his brothers were hunters and you know they weren't crazy into it crazy into bow hunting um, but they were hunters nonetheless and that's kind of the gateway that got me started with it but uh, growing up, I didn't have any siblings, and and uh, you know a lot of the neighbor kids kind of lived farther away, so spent a lot of time by myself, and could never draw back my dad's old bow. You know, it was like 65, 70 pounds, and I was just a little kid. And I'd see him shoot occasionally, and it just you know I never had one. So one day I went to the barn. I was about six years old, and he had some PVC pipe in there, and I took one of his hacksaws and I cut it off about as tall as I was, and took some and twine and I uh, just cut notches in the end of it, bent it over on my leg, and tied knots in the string, and that was my bow. I <laughs> 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 uh, took some of his old aluminum arrows. He didn't really shoot a whole lot, so we just kind of had some upstairs in the house, and most of them were bent, but I just kind of flung them around and shot in the hay bales and everything else, and I don't know, there was just something about shooting an arrow, you know, and even to this day where I'm at now, was shooting a the people I've met like you, Zach, and so many other great people. Uh I mean there's just something special about it. But I love it. Absolutely. So that, that's basically how I got into it, how I got started. You know, a lot of my dad got me a lot of opportunities, you know, just going to new places and taking me out and giving me that opportunity. So I owe a lot of that to him, even though he's not even that crazy about it. Dang right. Not many people can
0: when they ask you what
2: kind of bow is
0: your first bow, not many people can say it. <laughs> my own homemade one let alone one out of a pvc pipe that's yeah. that's not something me here every day
2: no well i used them for set lines and they were you know they're flexible like that and bendy i thought man this would work and perfect yeah whatever does the trick
0: you know dang right but uh no we got rachel here too and uh we're going to talk a little bit about how to get you know your significant other and maybe kids and family into hunting rachel you want to talk about how you got into bow hunting
1: yeah um in high school, me and my dad, we loved to shoot rifles, long-distance competitions, and reload, and when I came to college, I, I was really missing that and that kind of sport. Um, and then I met Josh my sophomore year of college, and we talked for about two months, and he came back from Thanksgiving break with his diamond razor-edge bow all set up for me took me out, and I was so nervous I wasn't going to be able to draw it back. I was just nervous, sick all day, and I could, and it was a pretty much the end of the story there. I mean, I loved it. it. It gave me that outlet that I couldn't really have in Lincoln anymore going to college, and it gave us something to do together. So then let's see what was my I came along with you for quite a few hunts yeah, that you,
2: fall. I took you hunting quite a few times before I ever got you a bow. I mean, I had to make sure that I wasn't just going to be setting just anybody up with my personal Diamond Razor Edge bow that I grew up with as a kid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had to pass the test, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: you passed the test, and you're still around, so you must be doing something right.
1: <laughs> what did your dad say when he saw you setting that
2: bow? Yeah, I grabbed that bow from downstairs, and I was setting it up, and... He's like, are you sure you want to do that? I was like, yeah, I'm sure. She seems pretty, pretty cool. So, but, and, uh, you know, kind of getting started with that, you know, the weight that you started shooting at, you know, you've never really shot a bow before. It was about 28, 29 pounds, uh, which for most girls, most women that are starting shooting, um, 25 is about the right weight to start them with, um, you know, because if you haven't shot before, you just don't have those muscles build up to be able to draw back. And even the first couple of times yeah. you drew it back, like it was hard. It was but even very s- hard. the same day, like shot 10 arrows and it just became easier because mm-hmm. your muscles adapt to it a little bit.
1: You kind of learn how, how to do it almost.
2: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Just yeah. kind of get the feel of it and kind of understand what it's going to feel like. And then along with that, too, you know, having, you know, being able to listen and learn the correct form right away is super important because like that first group of arrows you shot was like the size of a softball (laughs) like it was crazy i think
1: a lot of like the rifle shooting experience kind of carried over in a way just knowing how important the little things are you know your anchor point and being used to pin movement i think really helped at first otherwise i don't know i might have got really discouraged
2: definitely early on Definitely, and I mean, we just started 10 yards from a target and started close, you know, big bullseye, just, you know, and just being excited about it, you know, shooting a shot and hitting close to the middle, like, that's a pretty big deal, and you got to make it a big deal, you know, like, I'd have been like, oh, you shot, you know, three inches low right, that's that's not exciting, that's not as much fun, so even with kids or anybody for that matter that's getting into archery or bow hunting, you got to make it fun.
1: Yeah, so, you have yeah. to make them feel like they're experiencing some kind of success, Otherwise, yeah, I think it could get really discouraging really quick. I mean, I'm shooting next to Josh and he's hitting a smaller than a paper plate at 100 yards and I'm standing at 10 yards and I'm (laughs) struggling. So having someone who gives you a little gem of success is important when you're learning, I think.
0: Absolutely. It's all about taking baby steps. You can't just go from just getting into it, you know, being a champion shooter in one day, you know, yeah, doesn't like, happen overnight. No, absolutely that. not. I'm still learning. I've been shooting forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. No, that's great. And then uh so you started out shooting, you know, just targets and stuff. Then then you got into turkeys and got your first kill with a with a bow.
1: I um, did. It was pretty exciting. I We shot in the range downtown in Lincoln for quite a while. Um, I think I started to experience a little bit of target panic. I kind of plateaued with my progress and then started to almost regress. So I switched to my tension release, which was very hard to get me into.
2: (laughs) Rachel doesn't like change, that's for sure. And when I started her, I just started with a a Scott Little Goose wrist strap release, which is very common. It's a good release. Um, But like most archers, you know, when you're commanding the shot, um, you know, the brain wants to be efficient. And as soon as that pin hits the middle, your brain says it's there, it needs to go. Cause you know that you can't hold on the middle like that. And, uh, you know, the whole process, the whole thought behind the tension release, the resistance release, it's a stand element, uh, is the model is the fact that you don't have a trigger and you don't know exactly when that shot's going to go off, which sounds crazy. It sounds scary. Like, why would I want that? Why would I want that for hunting? Um, but it, it, when you learn it and learn it correctly, it completely eliminates the anxiety of the shot. Yeah. I mean, every if you've shot long enough, um, I mean, what was happening with Rachel was what happens with most people. I've had it way worse, but she would hold low on the target, like, you know, six inches low, a foot low, whatever, and then bring the pin up to the middle, punch the trigger. You know, sometimes you'd get lucky, hit the middle, other times it's like, man, you know, overcompensated, hit high, shot low, you know, and as as you shot and you got tired, like it got worse because you had less control. And, you know, I see that with guys that have shot all their life, shot 20, 30 years, and, you know, even a lot of guys that, you know, shoot well, they have days where they shoot amazing, and then they have days where they're just so frustrated with themselves they just can't, you know, it's just like they can't do it right, you know. They know what they need to do. They say, okay, just Relax, hold the pin on the middle, squeeze the trigger, and they just—you just can't do it. I mean, I've had it so bad, bad to the point where I could not get my side housing with my five pins on like a a four-foot by four-foot target (laughs) in a tournament. You know, and that's that's a target for one thing, but people get it in all different scenarios, especially hunting. You know, if you've got it, and that moment that pin hits fur. A lot of people are slapping that trigger and getting lucky. Exactly right. You couldn't have said it any better. And it's crazy. Like you said, it's like you
0: can tell yourself all you want. Don't punch it. Don't punch it. Mm -hmm. And you get there and you just like, it's automatic. It's learned. You know, it's already in your mind. And like when you reach full draw, that's what your mind's trained to do. And man, that's a hard habit to break. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's it's not a conscious decision that you can fix. You've no, got to go yeah. through a process That's the to thing. learn it. It's, yeah, like you said, it's subconscious. Like, you hit full draw, like, you're not in control. Your brain overdrives, and it's like, it. I mm-hmm. mean, it's like muscle memory. It's just what you're trained to do. I mean, you can do all you want to try to tell yourself
2: not to punch it, but, I mean, it's it's horrible. I mean, it's a yeah. disease is what it is. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, if, if you shot long enough, you'll, you've had it or you will get it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh, it's just the way it is. But
1: yeah, I switched, you switched me early on. I mean, mm-hmm. not like, even two months, yeah. maybe after I started shooting, I finally thought I was getting the hang of things. And Josh is like, come over here and just try this tension release. I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> so yeah, I think the first time I went bow hunting was at the bunny hunt and I shot a rabbit with my tension release and then that kind of gave me some confidence going into turkey season <laughs> let's back up just a little seems. bit though.
2: So, like when you started it like most people like you grab it and like it doesn't have a trigger so it doesn't feel like you're in control and it's like like it's not going to be pick it up start shooting 20 oh, yeah, yards it, and start shooting phenomenal like it does not control. work like that Like, we started at 10, and the first shot, you shot into the wood on the bottom of the target because you didn't know what to expect. My
1: eyes were closed. You told me (laughs) to closed my eyes.
2: (laughs) Well, it's part of the process, and if you learn it and follow it, that's part of it. But it's just the fact that it's a surprise shot, and the first time you get a fully surprise shot, like, your body sends adrenaline. And it's just like, whoa. (laughs) You know, I was not ready for that. What's happening? Um, But obviously, you know, it takes some time, and... um, you basically learn that, and your body just gets yeah. used to it. And you know, just like you said, Zach, muscle memory, and a lot of it's just kind of retraining that brain. But uh, it's it's something hard to learn. You can't just give a new archer, or even if you're gonna try to solve target panic for yourself and just grab a resistance release to learn it. Like you don't just grab it and start shooting 20 yards, or take right, it out yeah, hunting yeah. a week later. Like it does not work like yeah. that. So it's
1: you it know, was a it takes couple of weeks until you let me shoot at 20 yards, and I just remember I was so frustrated because. You know, I just loved shooting those single spots and doing my score and, you know, just seeing if I was getting better. And then we switched to the tension and Josh was like, yeah, you're shooting 10 to 15 yards for the next two weeks. And I was like, what? Come on. So
2: the reason for that. You know, if you're shooting 20 yards, the brain, again, wants to be efficient. As soon as that pin hits the middle, boom, yeah. it's gone. So what you do, essentially, is we train without the sight. That's why I had her shoot with their eyes closed at first. But you shoot without the sight to learn the you release. Feel. Yeah. Yep. And it's that part is a muscle memory, right? It's to learn that surprise execution is okay and, you know, just kind of retrain the body that this is how you shoot. The second part of it is retraining your mind and your eyes and how you perceive the sight and where you're aiming like you're used to as soon as that pin hits the middle that shot's got to go yeah so now we've got to train ourselves that as soon as we draw back we've got to be comfortable with that pin floating over top Mm -hmm. of that bullseye without jerking flinching or punching the shot you know what i'm saying um so when you do that you can't just start with a three inch circle at 20 yards because nobody can hold that exactly right especially when they're starting to learn that release like it doesn't work like that but uh, you start with a big target up close, you know, 5, 10 yards, and you're shooting at a paper plate or, you know, even a bigger target. Uh, you can put that whole side housing, all those pins in that bullseye. Um, it's just easy to basically train the brain that this is okay, I can do this. And as you learn it, you slowly back up day by day. Next thing you know, you're at 20 yards, and that pin's floating over the 3-inch circle on the bullseye. And you shoot the surprise shot, and that arrow's always going exactly where that pin's at every single time. Yeah, Like, it's it's awesome.
1: No, I think it was good. And I think if I didn't have that, I don't know,
2: you probably I probably <laughs> wouldn't have
1: shot my rabbit and then I would have had no confidence going into turkey season and probably yeah. would have just developed really bad habits. And I don't know, maybe not fallen in love with it as much as I have, you know,
0: definitely. But exactly. I feel like back tension is one of those things, you know, it, not only is it the cure for target panic, but it's one of those things you feel like you take a few steps back mm-hmm. when you first you do. start you yeah. and it's I think that's what discourages a lot of people from doing it is they think it's like you said something you can do overnight, mm-hmm. step in your backyard, try a new release, so we're good to go, and it's like okay. no, you're pretty much starting from scratch, you're learning your whole shooting process over again, exactly. but exactly when you do switch, I mean like you said, Rachel when you When you do figure it out, you're so far ahead of where yeah. you were. I mean it's a no brainer that you should have done it yeah done. it's
1: it's it's uncomfortable to learn it is, but it's short term pain for long term exactly Cinderella. exactly
2: exactly. I always um compare it to like an investment, I mean, yeah. you put all that money in up front and you put it away, and you don't see it, and it's kind of like ouch, you know. Many thousands of dollars so you put away yeah. that I could spend on elk tags, hunting trips, like new pickup, new bow, all this stuff, you know. But 20, 30, 40 years down the road, that money that you invested is going to be worth yeah, a lot. Exactly. And that's kind of the same thing with, uh, you know, a resistance release or a hinge release or just, you know, learning to shoot with that surprise release yep. execution. And that, again, the surprise is kind of the key with that. So a resistance release, which is what Rachel shoots, is by far the best way to learn how to use it. Um, or learn how to shoot the surprise release because again, there's no trigger to be able to force that shot. And if you do force that shot, that arrow's not going gonna, anywhere yeah. even close. Like, it's not going to be good. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's instant negative feedback. Whereas you know, a lot of people will have target panic, uh, like Rachel with the wrist strap. You know, holding low, holding off, or just not being able to execute a good clean yeah. shot. You know, just punching the trigger really hard, and uh, you know, can't get away from that. And then they switch to a thumb release. And think like, oh, this will do the trick, you know. And they shoot the time release, and they shoot it really well for like a week, two weeks, a month, and then it's like they right learn, back where they were. And they learn how to punch that. Yep, yeah. yeah. And it's yep. just you know, it's right back where you were. So unless um, you know, unless you can get that surprise shot every single time, you know, if you punch it that one time, like you got to stay away from it. Yep. So having that negative feedback from that resistance release just positively enforces that it's a good shot when you get that surprise execution absolutely Um, and even like shooting a hinge like um, i see it from time to time just with myself you know i've shot a hinge which is uh, basically it fires off a rotation it's not a trigger uh, but the purpose of it is to be shot with back tension you know so you get that surprise release Uh, but with that said you know it still fires off a rotation so i've learned in the past you know i probably learned it incorrectly because i didn't really have anybody teaching me but I learned how to dump it or twist it off fast yeah. and force the shot, and I mean, just from those bad habits when I learned that long time ago as a kid, you know it's still kind of stuck with me and I can shoot them extremely extremely well, and sometimes I'll get in a pressured situation um you know tournament hunting whatever, and uh you know I'll, I'll twist it off fast and that's uh you know that's led to some not so perfect shots for me uh, but you know again, going back to that resistance release and you know, even just sticking with that, I've got Rachel shooting mine now, obviously, but I've got another one ordered and coming because, you know, I can shoot that hinge extremely well, but there's just certain situations where, you know, I'll dump a shot because, you know, I'm in control. I have enough control to force that shot. So anyway, back to the turkey hunting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I don't know. We, we went out and we roosted the birds quite a few times. I mean, well, that first year I went shotgun hunting, and that <laughs> was fun. <laughs>
2: that was tough. Though. We took, had a tough go.
1: Tough go. I think it was 12 hunts total before we got birds who came in and I got a shot. But I think birds who came in at all, we had. That was it. We didn't have any. And th- some of those were all day long hunts <laughs> up and down. up. What was that? Northeastern Nebraska, yeah. all just up and down, up Everywhere. and down. Yeah, so then I guess the next year I harvested my first archery turkey, and that was that was pretty exciting.
2: <laughs> that was awesome. I mean, so you shot over a year, well over a year before you yeah. even took your bow out hunting. Yeah, which is something that I feel is probably pretty important too, just to be able to gain that confidence with it before you take it out. Um, you know, working at Shields and stuff, setting up people's bows. Uh, there's been a lot of people that come in, you know, November that say, I want to shoot a deer by the end of the year, and they've never shot a bow <laughs> yeah. before. And it's like, I don't want to discourage you, and I'm not saying you can't do it. You know, you totally can. But Kind of rushing the process yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you know, to be able to build that confidence with it like that, it takes time. And to be able to shoot well enough, you know, not that you could, couldn't could learn right the first time and shoot very well, you know, in a few weeks or a month. but. Yeah. Uh, It definitely takes time to develop confidence in your equipment. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's kind of the name of the game when it comes to bow hunting.
1: Yeah, I think that first, I guess the second year. So the first year I shot my bow, about one year anniversary of me shooting my bow, (laughs) you asked if I wanted to go deer hunting with you with a rifle because I I just still was not at that point yet um, where I felt comfortable with my bow. But I told Josh, I, I really wanted to wait because I had already put a year of work into it. I wanted to wait and get my first deer with my bow. So we waited and he was really receptive to that, which was good. It made it even sweeter, I think, in the end.
2: It's not the end. This is just the beginning. <laughs> yeah, just... I shot
1: my deer, I think it wouldn't have been as special probably, maybe. Yeah. I don't
2: know. No, I agree.
1: It,
0: takes a lot of time. It does. Man, your your first year. I remember last year following along and man, you had some mishaps and I I mean that <laughs> and I think that just makes it all the sweeter, man. It uh man like I said, when you gave me that call that morning that she she called and said, Zach, I got my first deer, whatever. I I'd been waiting for that call for a long time. Uh and that was a that was a special hunt and I mean, you got it on video, obviously, and I'll talk a little bit about the on where to find your videos and stuff. But Rachel, you got to tell the story of your first deer. I mean, Boy. talk about some of the mishaps I guess you had, because <laughs> like I said, that adds to it. Um, especially somebody just getting into hunting too, you know. They they it's easy I think on social media these days with instant you know this age instant gratification. You can see Definitely. all these people posting their deer and stuff, and what you don't see is the backstory all these people found i think that's a huge thing of people getting into bow hunting these days they they get on social media and they're like oh this is awesome i want to do this you know they they don't get a deer their first year they go out and they miss they're like oh everyone makes it look so easy you know they're just shooting animals left and right and you know somebody like you who you know had multiple mishaps and stuff and not only you but i mean i know multiple people who haven't it's almost like they want to give up you know they're like oh i don't know if i can do this i don't know if i'm cut out for it i guess you know just talk about some of that kind of what you learned in the process of getting your first big game animal
1: well i started out early by just going along with josh and watching him and we spent a lot of hunts and i was just you know with him um and I don't think we ever had a big deer, like a big buck come in even in those, so I I had realistic expectations, I think, going into my hunt, but I think there was quite a few mishaps, like you said. Um, one of our hunts, two, one year ago, two years ago, I'm not sure, we were sitting in the blind and I had been checking and checking for hours. I was super alert, you know, because I knew the second I wasn't alert, something would happen, and I was ready. (laughs) Our blind was a little bit downhill on the other side of this hill, just barely.
2: So we could only see like 30, 40 yards in front of us because it dropped off in front of us. Yeah. So we couldn't see them coming until they were right there. So we had to be watching. And
1: we had been hunting hard pretty much all season, and, you know... You get antsy, and we had the camera, and I I went over to Josh. I was like, let's make a vlog, you know? (laughs) I was like, what if a big buck just walked right in and whatever? And he's like, here, focus the camera, and I look over, and sure enough, there's a big buck standing 20 yards away. Right there. 20 yards away, and I grabbed my bow, but he was, it must have been late rut because he was on the, Growl. Yeah. He was panting, but so that was kind of a missed opportunity. I'm not sure if I would have gotten a shot anyways, but that was pretty heartbreaking, I thought.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean that was after quite a few hunts before he even had yeah. a shot at a, a buck even close to that size. Yeah. Know? And it wasn't anything tremendous, but it was a nice deer, you know, and and that's just kinda heartbreaking when it when you put all that time in. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, something like that happens.
1: All the sits, and even with you, we had never seen a buck. No. Nope. I mean, not maybe a little spike come in or something, but... And then we went on a mule deer hunt in October for three or four days. Um, and I had never done anything like that. My body was not in any condition to be doing that. Uh, but... We put a lot of miles on. We, how many failed stocks did we have? Quite a few. We had quite a few missed opportunities between failed stocks. Mountain lions scaring our deer up <laughs> casually. <laughs>
0: yeah, casually, <laughs> no big deal. Saw mountain lion. That was so cool.
1: Finding the deer, I. Went after a couple months earlier, dead on the hill. Uh, like, what in the world? Gimpy. Just the weirdest stuff. Um,
2: you never Did you even come to full draw on that trip?
1: No. Mm-hmm. I've never, we were I've range never a lot. drawn back on a deer until I shot my deer.
2: Yeah.
1: And we Which hunted is crazy. That is <laughs> crazy. a lot.
0: There are not many people who can say that. Yeah,
1: that a lot. Yeah, we, we could we just couldn't get close. I mean, we couldn't get a break. I the mean, we, we you passed you passed
2: a lot of smaller bucks and a lot of does and stuff. You're just kind of, you know, I mean, waiting for whatever buck you wanted to shoot. I wasn't gonna limit you. You could have shot whatever you wanted, you know.
1: Yeah,
2: and that's so fair. that was kind of on you. But you know, we had it's not like that was the first year we had in range either.
1: No, we didn't get. it. Well, yeah, you're right.
2: And we had a few nice bucks come in, but it was always like that one four by four but it was really dark and
1: yeah it was either yeah too dark it's like 40
2: dark. yards and like had 1 minute of shooting light left and there's
1: one branch in the way <laughs> i mean just never yeah really. it's always last light of course you know just just teasing but yeah finally one morning i told josh 4 months ago i think it was i said i'm going to kill my first buck on november 7th He said, no, you won't. We're going to get one before then. Like, it's not going to be November. I was like, yeah, it will be. It will be that late. And we went out November 6th.
2: After going out for, like, how many times? Oh, God. (laughs)
1: So many times.
2: (laughs) Like, I never sat in a tree stand for myself until you killed yours. Yeah.
1: We went out a lot. And it was just a lot with school, too, to be going out that much and trying to balance it all. But we went out this morning before I had online class on Friday so we we're planning to be back on time and I don't know the morning was a little different I felt confident I felt like I just felt like there was a chance you know I yeah. don't know why I was excited about the spot we were hunting it was new I I've never sat there I don't think we've ever sat we've there. sat
2: on the ground there we just haven't sat in that stand
1: that's true and uh we had a little button buck come in right when the sun came up, and so it was exciting because you knew they were moving around, and we had a doe come in. Um, I didn't really think she'd get, she kind of gave me a shot, but I really would have had to turn in the tree stand, and I'm kind of scared of heights, and she was already kind of alert, um, Yeah. and I was fine with shooting a doe, but I, I didn't end up taking that shot, and... After that, it was pretty quiet. (laughs) Quiet enough, you fell asleep. (laughs) I closed my eyes. I was so tired. I just wanted to close my eyes and lean against the trunk of that tree and just doze off. But pretty soon, Josh said, there's a big buck coming. I was like, I look up. He's like, did you see it going to the trees? I'm like, no, I didn't. I never see him. (laughs) And then I kind of hear him cutting in front of the trees in front of us, and I timed it Really well. I thought I timed it really well. Good. I drew back and nice buck just comes in, starts working a scrape. Um, There, there were a couple twigs, so I kind of waited it out and ended up shooting. Shot a little high, but made a good recovery shot and died right there. That was pretty nerve wracking. It happened (laughs) so fast. (laughs) It was exciting, though. It was exciting. It was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome.
0: Awesome footage, too. Got it all on film. Yeah. And, yeah. Man.
2: No, that was cool. I was shaking way more than she was.
1: Keep No. <laughs> she shot
2: it, you know, and the, the deer ducked a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, the arrow would have been, like, center 12 ring on a 3D target, you know, and it ducked just yeah. enough, hit that spine, and dropped it right away. And, you know, it, that's unfortunate. You don't want that for, like, a first-time hunter, but obviously, you know, when you want to do the right thing, get an arrow in yep. it as soon as possible. As soon as she shot, I was just like, boom, adrenaline rush. Like, I'm shaking, just like, oh, this is nuts. You know, I'm like, you want to get down for a follow up shot? She's like, get down. No, like, I want to shoot it right here. Like, okay, if you can do it, you know, right away. This, you know, draws back and it's, you know, 25, 28 yards or whatever, and just drills it. I Um, mean, it was dead in just seconds.
1: Yeah, as soon as I shot, I knew it was high, and I I didn't, (laughs) I stuck my release in my mouth because I needed to grab an arrow and I didn't have any place else to put it. Knocked an arrow and Yeah, I think that's, again, where the tension release just comes in handy because you have all that adrenaline, but you're forced, I mean, you're really forced to focus it on there because you know, you kind of know, you get in a routine where you kind of know where it's going to fire, but when you have that adrenaline in your muscles, like, you could be drawn back a lot harder than you usually are, and so you're forced to put that pin right in there and just pull through, and I... It almost, like, delays the shakiness and stuff Mm -hmm. to allow you to make a good second shot.
2: Which is crazy because, I mean, most people, including myself, you know, shoot any release but a resistance release. Yeah. You got to make a follow-up shot or you have, you know, your adrenaline's pumping like that from a big buck coming in. Like, you're shaking. Like, it is hard. And as soon as that pin hits the middle, like... You want to make you it You want yeah. it gone. Yeah. You know, like the brain says, shoot. <laughs> Even though you're telling yourself, slow down, take your time. It's like, nope. It doesn't matter what your conscious mind is saying. Your yeah. subconscious is going to say, shoot. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was very exciting. Very well, exciting. I'd say
2: to say the least, man. That was, <laughs> man. That could have been a state record and it would mattered. <laughs> yeah.
1: It could have been. I mean, yeah. Could
2: have been a spike. <laughs> it was
1: amazing to me. I was like
0: look at this buck <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just thinking back like the whole process of where he came from like you think about all the mishaps that led up to it and man it was just if, if you haven't seen the footage i i don't know how many listeners on here are are youtubers or or watch hunting films but uh if you really want to watch good films i highly suggest getting on youtube and going to bow only outdoors um josh does a fantastic job micah they both do they're uh they they have all kinds of hunts on there. they've done antelope elk deer and uh you just do some fantastic work josh um you want to talk a little bit about how you got into filming some of your hunts and kind of kind of the same thing is like learning how to hunt with a camera and maybe some of the mishaps you've had with that and, and uh how it how uh hunting with a camera maybe is a little different than when you first started out hunting absolutely I appreciate the kind words. That. Oh, no problem. <laughs> like I said, man, you can get on YouTube and do all the looking you want, but dude, yours is about as good as it gets. I mean, it's just real, genuine hunting footage, and that's
2: what people are looking for. Well, I appreciate that, Micah, and I work very hard to put those together. A lot of hours going into those videos, so you know like our coos deer hunt i think i spent 60 hours yeah. editing to put that video together i was you know? gonna
0: say it's not it's not easy work i don't do it but uh i know a lot of hours go into it but uh as much work goes into it man you guys put out a lot
2: of stuff and it's quality too so well, i appreciate that um i mean basically how i got into it as soon as i started actually bow hunting big game you know deer and turkey and stuff like that and my mom my dad bought my mom a new camera well, that means my mom had her old camera so i asked her if i could take yeah. that with me and you know? i ever since I was bow hunting, you know, 11, 12 years old, I would take that with me and just take pictures of everything. Deer, squirrels, you know, I think at the time when I was younger, for me, it was more the fact, I don't know why I thought this way, maybe it was, you know, just the people I was around when I was hunting and stuff, but I brought it with me to take pictures of the deer that I was passing because I felt like, you know, you watch the big TV guys, big TV hunters, you know, passing all these big, big, nice young deer and, I don't know, looking back, I probably should have shot a lot of those deer, but that's kind of why I had the camera, just to be like, this experience is cool, like, I don't have to punch a tag to make this what it is, you know? Exactly. And kind of bringing that, that camera with me, I don't know, it just, it was fun. It was fun to capture those moments. And, uh, you know, kind of the introduction to filming for me, I believe I was 15, 15 or 16 years old, and uh, there's a few guys that reached out to me, they were starting... Uh, basically a group they called it pure addiction tv uh, so we kind of had an instagram page stuff like that and uh, you know one of the things they're like you got to get a dslr camera and, you know i didn't know anything about all that stuff and they're expensive and it's like heck yeah i love taking pictures i love hunting like let's do this went and bought the camera nothing fancy i think the lens in the camera itself is only like 800 bucks which sounds like a lot of money but if you look at those cameras now there there's yeah. a lot of them that are <laughs> 10 times well, yeah. that amount you know yeah and that's still the same camera I've got to this day. That's what I use for my main rig. But, uh, you know, got a muddy camera arm and started using that. And there's definitely a lot of challenge with that. I mean, I would it'd be like going from being a straight rifle hunter to straight bow hunting. Like that's almost how yeah. much more difficult it is. And then you add that, you add the camera, and it's just a whole nother, you know, a whole nother piece to it. If you're self filming stuff like you know, when I first started, I just, I didn't know, I didn't know how editing footage went, you know, I didn't know any of that stuff, so it was all the hard lessons, you know, I learned them all the hard way, there was no, I didn't learn anything quick, I can promise you that, and there was a lot of missed opportunities, Um, there was one buck in particular that uh, I was driving an hour away from Lincoln uh, to hunt him, I had permission on this spot, and was uh, about 160 acre property and there's two small creeks that went through it and just a few trees along those creeks, and the rest of it was all ag field uh, but there was a buck in there um, that I was hunting he was a five by six and I'd been watching him for several years actually on this property through trail cameras and then that first year I finally started to see him when I was hunting and kind of started figuring out what he was doing but he was just completely random you know he'd bet out in the ag fields and then he'd come down in the draws and then he'd go across the road and bet on the neighbors, and it was just it was just frustrating to hunt him because the way the property laid out, like, I just had to get lucky, basically, and you know, that's all bow hunting, I guess, but there was, you know, I could only do so much strategy to get a yeah. shot opportunity at of him, uh, but anyway, I was set up on the best rut funnel, and it was early November or late October, you know, ruts kicking off, and they just harvested all those cornfields the week before, so... when they did that, kind of took all the cover out of it, but a lot of those deer were still hanging in that area because they hadn't moved out yet. And went in there one morning, I forget, it was so long ago, As a freshman in college, I think. Um, This is when it first really started costing me, like, shot opportunities. And that buck finally came out, you know, and he'd come out, and he was 30 yards away, and he was walking right towards my stand. My camera's on my camera arm on my right side of my tree, my bow's on my left, and I had the camera set up so that the buck, he was walking towards me. I thought he was going to walk to my left. So I put the camera to the left, grabbed my bow, and the buck starts, like, walking, turns left. and starts walking right oh, towards me, right oh. underneath my tree. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> and I'm in a tree and a fence line. Like, there's no trees around me. Like, I'm in one tree. And there's no cover or anything. I'm just wide open. And this buck, I can't tell if he's going to walk in front of my tree or behind my tree. So I put my bow back in the hook, and I'm filming him, you know, trying to get good footage looking back, I would have done it a lot differently. You know, I probably would still get it on film and still get the shot. But, you know, I was so focused on being zoomed in, making sure it's clear, make sure I'm on the deer, like all this stuff that didn't really matter, you know. And he went behind the tree. I did a complete 360, you know, around. And he heard something, either my release hit the camera arm, made that noise. It was a calm November morning, you know. And he took off, ran about 40 yards, stopped broadside, looked back, you know, branches yeah. from that tree I was in in the way. And, he looked at me just kind of like, ha, gotcha, <laughs> you know, and ran off. And I hunted that deer pretty hard, and I never saw him again, you know. And I just kind of, that really bummed me. You know, I had shot a couple of really nice deer before yeah. that, but, you know, I'd hunted that deer very hard, harder than any other deer, and I missed that shot opportunity because, because of that camera. camera. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was, it was when I was a freshman in college. And, you know, after that, I, I filmed after that, but it was, it was, it was almost just such an inconvenience I don't, I don't want to say it was taken away from the hunt, um, but I think I was allowing it to, yeah. you know, maybe a little bit. Um, and there's still hunts now that, you know, what, hunts like this, where we came up this weekend and did turkey hunting. Yeah. Like, you know, there's some times where it's just like a camera shouldn't be involved because it takes away from yep. the camaraderie exactly. and everything else. But uh, there's certain hunts where, man, it's awesome to have that camera yeah. and be able to capture everything that happens. Um, but for a while there, a couple of years, I just kind of took you know, time off of filming because I thought, man, you know, I didn't fill a buck tag that year Yeah and I should have, you know, and I thought if I, you know, if I can't shoot it on film, you know, I want to at least hunt. That's kind of what I'm out here for. So at that point it kind of was costing me and I didn't hunt, didn't film for a couple of years um, and then started to get back into it again. And uh, just with turkeys and stuff, had a lot of footage, um, kind of started editing on my own. And, and I mean, I'd done that in the past, but It was just, it was such a, it's hard thing for me to learn. I'm not a tech-savvy person. Yeah. And there's a lot of tutorials and stuff on YouTube, and and so that's how I learned it, just trial and error, really. But going through and editing all that footage, you know, and then starting to put videos together and uh, just kind of continually kept doing it, you know, in the first, I don't know how many videos Mike and I both made where we'd spend... 30 hours editing the footage and we put it up on youtube and it'd get 50 views in two months you know (laughs) and it's like are we really going to spend this much time doing this so that 50 people can see this you know yeah and uh you know at the time we thought we were making great videos and uh, that's why we weren't getting very many views that weren't very good you know they just weren't we thought they were interesting because it was our film our stuff and that's just not the way it is you know Uh, but being able to film stuff now you know i've filmed everything this year um you know filmed a lot of stuff over this winter with our coos deer hunt and And kind of all our adventures. And it's just, it's awesome, especially like Rachel getting her first deer this year. Absolutely. You know, I had that on three camera angles, (laughs) you know. And, uh, you know, even some of our hunts together, like the first time we went out west, I didn't even film it, you know, when we went out there just because I wanted it to be me and Rachel. I wanted to not take away from it. And, uh, you know, I think that was probably good just because that was a lot of learning experiences anyway. Um, but when it did come down to it and she shot her buck, I mean, it's, it's just awesome to have that on film and to capture those moments and capture those memories. Um, I mean, say a picture says a thousand words, but video says a lot more. (laughs) I was
0: just about to say the same thing. You know, you can look at pictures all you want, tell stories all you want, but man, it just, it doesn't do it justice. You know, you know, you can tell a good story to somebody or show someone a picture and they're like, Oh man, that's awesome. Or that's an incredible story and and you know to you like you know what you what you feel you know you're trying to tell the story and trying to put into words you know what you felt in the moment and it's just it's something that's impossible to do i don't care how good of a story writer you are how cool the picture is but the video that's just like the next level it shows the emotion behind the hunt you know the the every little details you know what you saw along the hunt the mishaps the i mean you name it the camaraderie in camp i mean the video tells the whole story absolutely and uh I think I think that's the biggest thing. You know, you can look back on these hunts, be like, man, not only did we go in there and we killed the killed the deer, whatever. I mean, whatever you're hunting, but you have the whole story behind it. You know, yeah. it's like, oh man, I kind of forgot about that. You know, we we walked up this one draw and and you no, know, we we saw that group of that group of bucks or whatever. I mean, just like so many things, you the the, the photos and the stories can't tell. You know, it's just the video adds that different element to
2: it. it definitely does. I will say um i mean it's hard to show everything that happens and you know especially like with the videos we're creating like i try to keep it as real as possible like outline every situation good or bad like there's obviously a lot of bad things happen to bow hunting you shoot them in the spine whatever you know you miss stuff happens you know and that's reality of it um but you know like for example when uh my good friend dylan and i went to idaho this year and we filmed that trip you know we were there for nine days and took all that footage didn't kill anything but took all that footage and condensed it down into like a 50 minute video and you know you yeah. think wow that's a long video but doesn't, man that doesn't even yeah. show like all the highlights you know say, that, what's what's in that video probably isn't even a 10 to what, <laughs> what, what you guys <laughs> right. experienced if that you right know, and you know if you watch that video you think like gosh these guys were just covered up in elk all week well i yeah. mean there was a few days where you know we we walked a lot of miles yeah, and didn't, didn't see much see at all yeah. you know
1: exactly. and that's just
2: that's what hunting is so you know, people that are especially getting into archery into bow hunting, and they watch YouTube videos and they watch hunting videos on the Outdoor Channel, and they see the success. And I mean, it's just not like that. Like, yeah, exactly. That's it's, and it's it's
0: easy to think that. I mean, the videos right. and stuff yeah. today and the pictures can kind of portray that or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you got to understand, like you said, you know, you're capturing
2: not. I mean, one percent
0: of what's happening.
2: Right. If that. I yeah. Mean, I mean, there's just so much work that goes behind it. Yeah. And, you know, I was pretty fortunate with Rachel when she got her deer. I had quite a few clips from hunts in the past and stuff to be able to tell a better story, um, which really adds a lot to it. But, you know, because if we would have just went out and you would have killed that deer on the first set, yeah, you would have been excited. But how much would that really mean to you? I
1: think the videos, I really like them because a lot of people in my life aren't hunters. They don't know hunters. They don't know anything about hunting. And... That is fine, but if you want to share that with them, I mean, they're not, they don't want to sit down and listen to a 45 minute hunting story like the rest of us. Yeah. And so the easiest way to share that is to show the picture of your deer, you know? And then that's kind of how people get this image of, oh, they just go out, you know, they just go out and shoot things, you know, whatever. And so the video kind of shows more of what is happening. Um, it kind of like allows you to share it more with people who aren't as familiar with it.
2: Absolutely. I agree. And again, it just it's hard to capture everything. Like some of the best moments of the hunt is when me and whoever I'm hunting with are sitting over a campfire yeah. just swapping stories. Swapping <laughs> stories at night. And, that's some of the best stuff. Right? Yeah. And like I mean, that's some of the most memorable parts. Like when me and Dylan were in Idaho. We get done after a long day of hunting, we're camped out in the middle of the mountain just living off our backs and you know, we weren't in a restricted area so we had a campfire. Yeah. And man, I mean there's just nothing better than that. Exactly. You know? And yeah. it's hard to it's hard to take a picture and show that. It's hard mm-hmm. to it's hard to take a video clip and show just how really amazing that is and you know, unless you're there out there doing it. So Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you just gotta get out there and do it. Yeah, yeah absolutely and rachel, like you said i I even think
0: these videos for like the non hunting community community is is huge because you know they get to see what hunting is. It's easy for them to look at a picture and say, Oh, here you know not not to sound anti hunting, but they are a bunch of savages they go out there mm-hmm. and they kill i mean i I don't mean this to sound anti hunting, but you know somebody who doesn't hunt oh, you've been killing anything lately, you know mm-hmm. you're killing any deer or whatever, and it's like you can show them the pictures but they see these videos and I think these videos have come just even in the last decade. So like just the message that they portray has come such a long ways, you know, it's not ten kills and in, in ten minutes or whatever. It's not these right. it tells the whole story behind it and that to like a non hunter is huge because it they I feel like it just gives them so much so much to like deeper respect for hunters you know it, it shows exactly why we do it mm-hmm. you know like like you said josh it is perfect it's not all about going out there and and killing stuff the the best moments are there with your buddies or with your family and and you're there you know you're just out enjoying you know god's creation just enjoying you know looking up at the mountains like man we never would have got to experience it if it wasn't for hunting you know exactly. it's just exactly. you're out there just experiencing you know I mean, I, I think it's just human nature, you know, that it's just, we have a drive to, you know, experience things like these in the outdoors and that there's, I mean, in today's day and age, I think we've lost touch with that. And, you know, just, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is these videos you're making is, it just shows the whole hunting experience. It's not just about the kill, you know, and that's what I really appreciate about like what you guys do with yours. It, uh, yeah, shows a lot behind the hunt that, you know,
2: you see far beyond the kill picture. So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, We appreciate that. I mean, we we try to try to show everything that we can. And you know, it's it's just hard. I mean, when we're when me and Mike are going out, you know, Mike owns only outdoors with me, and when you know we're hunting, we're filming each other. But you know, we're together and our camaraderie, like that's you know, that's yeah. what we'd like to share. But you know, we're filming each other, so it's only one person in the frame at right. a time. So it's it's even hard, you know, because. You know, we'll take a interview clip and say what's happening, and then we'll put the camera down, and then it's like me and Mike would be like, well, you know, with the wind's blowing this direction, the sun's like this, like, you know, I think we can go around this way and go around this bend. Well, like, you know, us filming each other, it's hard to really show that stuff, you know, but, and, yeah. and get quality footage, you know, but so it... <laughs> You know, you don't want it to take away from the hunt, which we try not to. We just try to show it yeah. exactly how it happens, and if we don't get the kill shot, doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. if whatever, you know, we just kind of film it, trying to tell the story and and show it how it is, and we try to keep from it taking away from our hunt and Absolutely. from anybody else we're yep. with hunt too. So, which you see a lot of successful hunting shows and stuff, and I think they put the filming as a top yep. priority. And, and they miss out on the best parts of the mm-hmm. hunt in my opinion yep. yep yep they're going through checklists making sure they got this footage and that and getting this interviews and yep. yada yada and it's just like that's it's work yeah. at that point it's too yeah. much you when know?
0: it be, when it becomes more about the film than the hunt man you miss the point mm-hmm. you need to rethink it a little bit but uh, yeah no that's an excellent point so yeah no we uh yeah. That was that was all good stuff. We talk about camaraderie. Um, obviously, the NBA is huge in camaraderie. You guys want to talk about how you got into the NBA and maybe mm-hmm. some of the people you've met and and uh, how they've impacted you in a positive or negative way, I guess. Some
2: <laughs> I don't know if all of them are the best influences, but uh, talk about the NBA a little bit, how you guys got Absolutely. into it. Well, I, I had never, I mean, for all the archery tournaments I've shot and across the state, um, and all the the bow hunters, I feel like I know in the eastern part of the state. You know, I'd never heard of the NBA until I met you, Zach. You know, and you're the first one that told me about it. told me I got to come up for the bunny hunt. I got to come to the banquet. I got to come to Halsey for the jamboree and all this stuff. And I mean, Halsey is easily one of my favorite events of the year. <laughs> like not just archery events, like ev- yeah. events, like total. <laughs> like that's one of my favorite trips of the year, hands down. And just the you know the people you get to spend your time with are all like-minded people all out doing the same thing in a beautiful place Um, just having fun flinging arrows and there's not much better than that really you know Um, but a lot of the people I've met uh, you know just opened up a lot of opportunities for me just a lot of great friendships and um, just kind of helped expand me and grow myself as a bow hunter you know just talking to you talking to your dad and talking to everybody else that's in the NBA like I mean, you're talking to some some great, great people, some some of the best bow hunters across the state. Like, you hang around people like that, like you learn a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Mm-hmm. So the group as a whole, um, you know, there's not another group in Nebraska that I think you could be around and get as much out of, I guess, as being a part of the NBA and going to those events. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think. Let's see, the bow or the bunny hunt was my first nba event i guess you
2: could say is that technically an nba that, event or yeah, is that just I, nba members I, I, go I think i
0: was gonna say i don't think it's an organized nba yeah, event, right, but uh right. you can find some of the i guess some of the finest i don't know if i would say that <laughs> some of the finest nba has to offer uh i don't know if there's a guy in that group that's not an nba member but uh i sure know a lot of them show up
1: there anyways yeah but. a lot of them show up i, w- I was kind of nervous to come um you know, I didn't know how many girls there would be, and <laughs> I didn't know anybody there besides you, Josh, and, but, yeah, I think that was just the start of it all, everyone's so welcoming, I mean, just so welcoming, opening, I mean, their homes, their camp spots, their coolers, you know, anything, they're just so welcoming to us, and you could walk up to any of them and start a conversation, and it's,
2: it's like they're your best it's friend. <laughs> like
1: you're yeah it's really I've never been a part of something that's like a you know they say we're like a big family but we're not a family <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of like that and it's so fun Halsey Halsey is my favorite event of the year definitely um just to see everyone and like Josh said just like-minded individuals um and hear all the stories and they're supporting you and you're supporting them you know I felt like I had a lot of NBA members who were cheering me on to get my deer and that meant a lot to me
0: absolutely man I, I don't think you could have said it better I mean it's like a big family you just feel like welcome I mean mm-hmm. you come in as a stranger and within a few minutes you're talking to people that yeah. you'd, you'd swore you were friends with your whole life you yeah. know and it
2: that speaks volumes about the nba but absolutely no well and if you talk hunting with me i'll talk to you forever and i'll just talk your ear off so
0: <laughs> well that's, that's <laughs>
2: easy when you're talking with like-minded people about hunting it's easy pretty quick when you're
0: talked about hunting you have that common ground you know it's like it's yeah. a it's a brotherhood basically yeah. i yep. mean just like become family once you once you're uh once you're in the bow hunting community i guess so uh no that was all good man i i uh i don't know we could talk about stuff all day i think i (laughs) I was gonna say we could go forever uh been meaning to get you guys on here for a long time like i said this has been a long time in the coming and wanted to have this conversation for a while this is the first time we've had you on here and guarantee it won't be the last uh there's like i said we could talk about bow tuning all you want i mean you're about as knowledgeable as they come in that and And I think, uh, we're definitely going to have to get you back on here a few times, get Rachel back on here and have her talk about her, her booner, the next one she shoots. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) no, uh, yeah, it's just been nice recording this sitting here. We're actually in Turkey camp, sitting here in my cabin recording this, uh, head place better. We'd
2: rather be. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
0: (laughs) Sitting here in the cabin, drinking coffee, recording a podcast. Can't, can't beat that. We just had fresh fried Turkey for lunch and, uh, yeah, it's been fun the last few days. So. It has. It's been awesome. Yeah. It's been a blast. Glad we could get this recorded kind of at the end of the weekend. So, no, other than that, do you guys have anything you want to add or any tips for members, I guess, or anything?
2: Well, I just want to say I appreciate you having yeah. Rachel and I on. Well, I
0: appreciate you coming on. Like I said, I, I've enjoyed this conversation and we could go on for hours if we wanted, but I mm-hmm. but, uh, have to save that for another time, I guess. And uh, once again, put a plug in for Bow Only. Go check out some of their YouTube videos if you want to see some of Josh's hunts this year. Of course, you want to see Rachel's deer, and man, there's just all kinds of stuff you can watch on there. Go check out their channel, and and uh, if you're on Facebook or on Instagram, go on over to Bow Only Outdoors and check out some of their photos and stuff too. So uh, appreciate yeah, that, Zach.
2: Absolutely. Um, I also want to mention too. You know, at the beginning of this conversation, we talked a lot about. Uh, resistance release tension release you know that surprise yeah. release execution um you know if you're interested in becoming a better archer or just uh, learning how to shoot with back tension and that surprise release and that kind of stuff uh, i've got a series or it's basically a playlist on youtube it's called learn archery yeah and it's got right. everything from the basic beginner walkthrough how to shoot a compound bow to uh, some very advanced stuff um so if you're if you're interested in that go to that YouTube channel, or even go to our website, BoatOnlyOutdoors.com, uh, click on Learn Archery, watch some of those videos there, and uh, give it a try. So uh, I'm always happy to answer any questions anybody has working at Shields and, and helping people out. Um, you know, I've just – I didn't have a coach growing up, and so all those bad habits that I gained, I mean, it was just terrible, and I'm still struggling with them now, and I've shot forever. Uh, so if I can help somebody start on the right track or help somebody – um, you know just get started the right way and not have any bad habits you know that can save years of experience Absolutely. learning experience for them so uh, i encourage you to check that out if you enjoy shooting your bow and want to get better yeah i think that'd be
0: really helpful i mean those are some great videos and like josh said there's i think you pretty much cover everything on there so
2: there's a lot for... that isn't on there but there's a lot of shooting form stuff yeah. physical shooting that is uh beneficial for a lot of people absolutely other than that
0: anything else guys no No? well this has been fun and uh i uh hope you guys enjoyed this and uh i guess for as far as nba announcements i kind of forgot at the beginning if if uh if you guys have any recommendations or anything or any guest recommendations or comments on the podcast get a hold of me or kyle Let me know. Other than that, watch your newsletter. I've had a few questions if the the banquet's still on or not. Um, To be honest with you, I I don't know. So that's, I guess, my thing on that. I know there's a meeting coming up in January, so just stay tuned. Watch the website, watch Facebook, and uh, read your newsletter, and any updates will be in there. So I've enjoyed recording this, guys. I hope you guys all have a Merry Christmas, and uh, I... I hope to see all you guys soon at the banquet and um, hope to get some more episodes out to you soon. So this is Zach Welch. This is Josh. And Rachel. (laughs) It's been fun, guys. Have a a Merry Christmas, NBA. Yeah, you betcha. Catch you next time.